children of all ages. Hell has frozen over, the dead are rising from the graves. Cats and dogs are truly living together because we did it. We made it to the end of season one of the Witten Whiskey cast. Are you a little sad? Are you a little misty-eyed? Because I am. Uh, for those of you who don't know by now, uh, I'm Mark Rossetti. I'm one of your co-hosts, along with my partner in crime, DJ Gagnon. Hey, yo. And yes, I am feeling a little misty-eyed. I can't believe we made it 15 episodes. This all started as a pandemic pipe dream. And here we are, some months later, wrapping it up. But don't be too sad, because we are going to do a season two. We are, but we're not going to tell you anything about that right now. No, I have been sworn to secrecy, which, as you all know by now, is kind of hard for me. <laughs> I, I like to chat, but, you know, a deal is a deal. And we're going to talk this week because we have an interesting topic this week in the spirit of all things contrarian. Even though it's the last episode, we're going to go to the beginning. We're going to go to Genesis. It's the Origins in Whiskey podcast. How uh, the two of us teamed up to be one of the most unlikely duos in American history. I know, right? Uh I, I mean, fair warning, this gonna get buck wild, because I didn't know prep. Oh, neither did I, and I think that's only fitting. Um, you know, we've, we've done varying amounts of research all throughout the podcast, and I think it shows. You could tell what episodes we researched heavier and what episodes we didn't. Uh, <laughs> but at least on my end, I never had an absolute zero prep episode. I don't believe you have either. No. Nope. So here we go. We're just gonna wing it. But before we do that, brother, what'd you do this week? Oh, man. Uh, it's actually been a weirdly good week. I uh, took a couple days off work last week just to kind of recharge the old batteries. We've been going pretty hard at work. So I took a couple days off, read a couple of books. I put up a bunch of fucking drywall in my house, which I am very happy that all the panels are up and done and I was able to clear the floor of my garage so I can actually do more things with it over the winter. Uh, so that felt pretty good, and um, it, I went hard. I mean, it probably took me 20 hours this weekend to put all those damn panels up. Drywall sucks. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, apparently there's a thing about French Canadians being really good at drywall that nobody told me about. Is that a thing? Have you ever heard of this? No, but, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I'm sure... Hockey isn't their only attribute. Yeah, maybe it's just a New England thing. I haven't, I haven't really figured it out. But uh, I have been told that I did a good job. It looks like crap to me, but that's what mud and tape and paint are for. So yeah, that that'll be my winter project. Is where I'm kind of getting my office all sorted. We get a kitchen closet we're setting up. So yeah, uh, it was really nice. But just a ton of reading this weekend. I'm working my way back through the Dresden Files by Jim Butcher. Books 17 and 18 came out during the pandemic, so... I was going to uh, say, what are they up to? About 106 novels yeah, now? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's like five or six graphic novels, there's a short story collection, there's a novella, there's 18 books in the main series, there's an RPG, I'm pretty sure there's a card game, there might be a partridge in a wizard's hat somewhere. But it's a great series, and I'm, I'm on... I'm doing my reread, so I think I'm on, like, book nine or something like that now. All right, well, that works. How about you, brother? What you been up to? Uh, well, I was uh, lucky this week. I was able to get a major piece of the puzzle for my winter project for the Roadster. Mm. I'm in the process of 
building a new engine for the Roadster. Not, of course, not that there's anything wrong with the one that's currently in it, but, you know, it's like the Romans say, you expand or you die. So I uh, want to go a little bit bigger, want to go a little bit faster. And when you have a two-seater that weighs roughly 1,800 and change with my fat ass in it, it's not really difficult to make it fast. And that's... I don't want to sound disrespectful. I mean, anybody that can get performance out of a car deserves respect. But to me, making a light car go fast isn't really much of a challenge. I mean, it's just basic physics. Less weight, more power. You know, it's just simple mathematics. Nice. So I'm trying to impose a bit of a self-imposed challenge between me and the old man, really make him think. I mean, he's getting up there. He's, he's in his 60s now. He just had his birthday a few weeks ago. He's in his 60s now. He's in territory for early onset dementia, so we got to keep his brain thinking, you know? we got to keep the neutrons firing. <laughs> and and uh, we decided that with the new engine we're going to build, we're only going to use period-appropriate equipment. So no really late-model aftermarket stuff. None of the off-the-shelf really go-fast stuff. We're you gonna damn historians. <laughs> We're going to, you know, scrounge eBay, scrounge racing junk, scrounge flea markets and newspaper listings, and we're going to find the right go-fast parts. And I've been putting together a uh, Chevrolet v, uh, V8, a 327 cubic inch V8, uh, very early 60s period motor, has a date-stamped engine on it. You know, it's, it's an actual 60s block. And I've been looking for the right set of heads. Uh, this week, I was able to acquire a set of Corvette cylinder heads from 1971, which are going to help me make oodles and oodles and oodles of power. But more so than that, uh, I was able to get the absolute deal of the century on them. Oh, wow. Uh, for those of you who maybe don't know, who don't deal with, you know, play with cars, uh, when you buy a cylinder head... Usually, if you just you know order one out of the catalog, you get the bare uh, bare casting. There's no valves in there. There's no rockers or you know camshafts if it's an overhead cam engine. Uh, no valve springs. None of that. You just get the actual bare physical metal head, and you have to assemble it yourself. So uh, the old man has all the books with the date codes and you know the casting numbers and whatnot. And so we looked them up and. The bare castings for these motors, somewhere in the range to three hundred to five hundred dollars a set, depending on, you know, what condition they're in and yada yada yada. Oh wow! A fully furnished set with valves, the whole nine yards, goes for anywhere between a thousand and fifteen hundred dollars. I was able to get a set somewhere in the middle. I mean, closer to complete than incomplete, but we'll say eighty-five percent done because there's some things I need to work on for one hundred dollars oh wow uh i don't know if the gentleman didn't know what he had or what i think was i, I think he had he had I, well, I know he had two sets of heads in his garage for sale and i think he confused which one was which but me being me <laughs> we threw him in the back of the truck and we took him home <laughs> and uh i'm gonna take him to my machinist and get them hot tanked see if there's any leaks which even if there is, there's enough hardware I could strip off there to make my money back three times. Oh, wow. So, so I'm pretty tickled pink, and uh, they look good. Hopefully the hot tank will come back clean, and I'll have my late 60s, early 70s period engine to drop in sometime in the spring. That's awesome. Now, I've been to your house. I've been to your dad's house. 
Like, do you guys just do all the work in the trailer? Do you guys have, like, a workshop? We do a lot of the work in the trailer, but we do have a shop. It's uh, in Plains. It's off of River Road. Uh, some of the baddest cars I've ever driven have come out of there, and it's a full-service shop. We've got lifts. We've got drill presses, sandblasters. Uh, you name it, it's in there. So that's for the heavier stuff. First, the easy stuff, you know, header changes, intake changes, things like that. We just do in the trailer. Uh, but, like, I have a whole new rear end to go in the Roadster that I bought during the pandemic that's just sitting because I'm lazy. <laughs> Th- that'll be a shop job. Um, you know, the engine, obviously, will be a shop job. Basically, anything that is going to take long enough that we have the potential to get pissed off at each other. Because this way, if it's all tore apart, we could just leave it in the shop. That's fair. You can't, you can't leave it in pieces in the yard. You kind of have to push it back into the trailer and then... Yeah. So at least in the garage, you just dump it. Is it like your shop or is it like a makerspace sort of thing? I have no idea how any of this works. No, no. We, we rent it. it it's, a, it's a full service. And the best part is it's zone commercial. Um, I have one piece of advice for no matter what industry you're in, folks. If you're, if you're trying to make a go of it on the side or even as a hobby, try to find a space for rent that is zone commercial. Because legally, you could do pretty much anything. And, you know, as, as long as your landlord's cool, which we've been lucky enough, knock on wood, the few couple of race shops we've had, our landlords have always been wicked cool. Uh, but if there's own commercial, you can do pretty much whatever you want legally. Uh, and there's not a whole lot of, uh, you know, recourse. So you could spray cars, you can, you know, do engine changes, you could work relatively late as long as you're not outside making ungodly amounts of noise. You know, so it's it's a lot easier on your end. That's awesome. So, all right. Well, we got all that fun stuff out of the way. Uh, we, we have another fun little bit coming up on my end. But what's uh, you told me this week is a happy week. You know, you're over for two on the scotches. Yeah. What are you, what are you drinking this week? It, it was a rough couple of weeks, man. So I uh, for our, our last episode, I went back to one of my my go to's and I. I punched it up a bit, so I grabbed uh, my bottle of Jameson Black Barrel. Um, I always have a bottle of, Bla- of Jameson Black Barrel. It's my go-to whiskey. You know, anytime I'm, you know, uh, you know, writing for D and D, or, or um, you know, I've got a long coding session, or uh, it's just the end of the week, and me and my coworkers are fucking frustrated, and we all need a cocktail in hand. I go for the the black barrel bottle and I punched it up tonight. I made a, a, a Jameson old fashioned. Okay. Um, I didn't have any, any citrus fruit, uh, in my fridge cause it's been a couple of weeks since I went shopping, but it, it was just uh, an ounce and a half of the Jameson, uh, a scant teaspoon of rich, simple syrup, a couple dashes of Ango bitters and a, a dash of club soda. So it's, uh, uh, it's a pretty good cocktail. The club soda kind of opens the Jameson up a little bit, which is really nice. And I, I've always loved Jameson Black Barrel. If you're a fan of Jameson, it's like that next level whiskey. They age it for twelve years in charred sherry barrels, and it's just really good. It's rich. It's a little smoky, but it's nowhere near the dirt burn taste of a, a Scotch. It's kind of rich. It's got some nutty notes and a nice, uh, a nice intense finish. So uh, that's what I'm drinking. I, I went with an old favorite, and, and I, I turned it into an old-fashioned, so I'm happy tonight. What about you, man? 
Well, I'll, I'll coattail on yours for a little bit. You know, you said if you enjoy Jameson, that's the next step up. I will add, if you don't enjoy Jameson, like I don't usually, I, I, I'm not a big Irish whiskey guy, period, although I did enjoy the proper number 12 a few weeks back. Uh, but even if you don't enjoy Jameson, the Black Barrel is actually really good. It is. Uh, um, even I like that. Uh, the old man actually did some work on a neighbor's car. Oh, God, it probably was back in August now. A uh, lady up the street was just having issues, and he went and changed her alternator or something, and she left him a bottle of Black Barrel, and we had quite a fun night around the campfire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And there wasn't a whole lot of it left the next morning. It's great. I mean, you can get a bottle pretty easy. It's it's like a forty dollar entry fee for a, a you know seven fifty mil. So uh, eighty proof, really easy to drink. Sometimes too easy to drink, but that's okay. We don't mind. No. And we're gonna that that dovetails perfectly into what I'm drinking this week because if you go way back, dear listeners, fifteen episodes ago now to our very first episode. We did a little lightning round. We did a little Q&A, which I have a few Q&A questions, you know, for later on in this episode. We're going to pick that back up, too. But in, but in the middle of the lightning round, we went back and we were talking about our favorite whiskeys and our least favorite whiskeys. And DJ claimed at the time, he since recanted to his credit, but he claimed at the time that the worst whiskey he had ever had was wild turkey. <laughs> and more specifically, I believe you said it was wild turkey rye. Yeah. And I got a little hot. <laughs> I love so, that. So, uh, you know, we almost didn't make 15 episodes. We almost didn't make episode two. <laughs> uh, but it was what it was. And so, uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you all know I love tropes. Google brick joke, because this is a brick joke. We're going to pick up the brick 15 episodes later. I am reviewing wild turkey rye. <laughs> of course you are. So now, I'm going to start by saying that, yes, under the vast majority of individuals' criteria, probably the vast majority of the individuals listening to this show, in fact, this could be considered a tale from the well. But I'm going to tell you why it's not, in my humble, humble opinion. (laughs) I'm going to kick back. I'm on a college campus. Wild turkey rye is not good. Change my mind, Mark. (laughs) You bastard. (laughs) We often talk about, uh, you know, quote-unquote mediocre whiskeys. We talk about entry-level whiskeys. We even talked a little bit the last couple weeks about higher-end whiskeys, higher-end bourbons, your Basil Haydens, your, your Black Barrels, things like that. But we really haven't talked about a good, solid, everyday whiskey. Fair. To me, that's what Wild Turkey Rye is. It's a solid, everyday whiskey. You can come home after work. While you're making dinner, you could pour yourself two fingers on the rocks, neat, however you take it, and just have a little sipping glass. You're not going to shoot it. You can, but, I mean, you're not going to shoot it. You're just going to sip. You're not going to drink a lot of it. You're just going to have a bottle on the shelf, and when you're ready for it, you're going to drink it. It's even in PA with our insane brown liquor taxes. It's twenty one dollars. It's not really an expensive rye, no. But it's only eighty one proof. So you know, as long as you keep some mocum of moderation, you're going to be fine the next day. It's and this is what I like about it, and this is what turned me on to it originally. 
is between 65 and 67 percent, depending on that individual cask that the bottle came out of, between 65 and 67 percent rye. The vast majority of rye whiskeys are like 51, 52 percent. So you get that bitey, aggressive rye note. You know, it starts off pretty smooth on your tongue. It has a little vanilla hint. It has a little citrusy hint almost. And then you get rye. And then you get more rye. And then you get that good whiskey burn because it's wild turkey. <laughs> and, you know, so you could sit there. You could drink it. You're, you're not going to feel bad. If you maybe on a Saturday, let's say there's a Formula One race on television and you're sitting on the couch and the next thing you know, you have three or four of them and you drink a good portion of the bottle, it's $21. It's not like you sat and pounded that bottle of 18-year-old Glenlivet. And, you know, it's smooth. For You get a little bit of burn at the end, but it's smooth. You can drink it with pretty much anything. It's great with a cigar. It's great with a pipe. Um, I don't chew tobacco, but it probably is all right with that, too. Um, you know, if, if you if any of our listeners chew, give us a shout out. Let us know how that tastes. <laughs> um, but if you want something on your shelf that you could quite literally drink every day in moderation, we don't condone alcoholism, but you could quite literally drink every day, there's nothing better for my money, period. You know, that's fair. I think I tend to kind of grab something like Bullet if I'm going to have like an everyday drinking whiskey, but... I, you know, I that may have just made me a hipster, so I'm not sure. No, I like Bullet. Um, I, I mean, Bullet is very good, and it's, yeah, it's probably better than Wild Turkey. I'm not going to argue that. But it's also, at least here, $12 a bottle more. Yeah, that's fair. And, I mean, at the end of the day, $12 is, it's what it is. I mean, if whiskey, like anything else, is a hobby, and all hobbies are expensive in one form or another, I mean... Christ, we talked about Legos, you know, we talked about anime, we talked about video games. This, nothing is cheap. No, no. Mark and I, everything that we've talked about, Mark and I have spent a lot of money on Yeah, we, thing at we one point really or have. God bless our, our wives for putting up with it, really. Yeah. But, I mean, um, props to us. I don't think we've talked about a single bottle of whiskey in season one that was over maybe 70 or $80. And I think well, that was we only. We only talked about one, and it was only to mock it. Yeah, fair. And we won't we won't bring that up again. You no. can find the episode, and you'll find it. But there was one uh, nearly $200 bottle that we brought up solely f- because it deserves scoring. It does. But no, um, you know, so that this is, uh, yeah, I guess you'd say it's an entry-level whiskey, but it's, it's a everyday whiskey, and especially if you like rye, it gives you the taste of rye. It has that very high rye content without having to go into the hipster small batch, you know, style. Yeah, and if we haven't made it readily apparent at this point, give Rye a try. Seriously, again, another brick joke from episode one. (laughs) Especially if you're a bourbon drinker, you know, I mean, let me tell you, drinking the Basil Hayden's a couple weeks ago really got me back on that bourbon kick. I love me some bourbon, but give Rye a try. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. I really like the dichotomy here because uh, the label on a bottle of wild turkey is like bright and colorful and white. Yes. And I'm drinking, you know, black barrel, which is deep and dark. And it's just got this nice juxtaposition to it. To put it into, uh, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because 
my wife actually went to the liquor store. She had to buy uh, a few bottles of something, and she said, do you need anything? And I said, yeah, we, I, I need a bottle of wild turkey. I'm actually all out, and I'm going to review it this week for the show. And she said, okay, you know, but she's always, she knows I drink usually some weird stuff, so she always says, can you send me a picture of the bottle? And I, so I texted her a photo of it, and she goes, oh, that's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's white and green and has some gold trim and has a big turkey on the bottle. And Now, now since we you did bring up wild turkey, and we are kind of winding into our topic here pretty soon, but when I was researching wild turkey, I found that there's, like, this entire community around, like, old bottles of wild turkey called Dusties. Yes, have, I, I've. Is there is is this a thing, Mark? Like, have you had a, a, an old bottle of wild turkey and can confirm whether or not you know there, there's a flavor difference? I have not, although Lord knows I've been told a million times by a million different people that there is. And I will say this, and this is anecdotal, but it's uh, it's true in a way. Uh, I believe it, and I'll tell you why. I've never had an old bottle of wild turkey, but I did have an old, unopened bottle of Seagram 7 once. <laughs> and I know, again, you know, Seagram 7, it's a mixer, it's blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Uh, but Bernie, of all people, had it. <laughs> he called me years and years ago. We were living up in Endicott. It was me and Lou. And he said, my cl- parents are cleaning out their cabinet. I found this bottle of whiskey from 1971. And the seals aren't even broken yet. Do you want it? Fuck, yeah, of course I want it. You know what? Oh, they don't want anything for it. They just want to get out of it. They quit drinking. They just want to get everything out of the house. Okay. So a few weeks go by, whatever, we hook up. Sure enough, you know, it has the, the, the paper seals like we're used to now, and it has a wax seal on the bottle. Oh, I like love old school. that. None of them are broken. Copyright date, 1971, blah, blah, blah. The bottle's got, you know, six inches of dust on it. We're holding it up to the light. No, there's no sediment. There's no this. There's no, okay. You've all, I think everyone listening to this podcast has had Seagram 7 in one way or another. This wasn't Seagram 7. This was somewhere between uh, Chivas Regal, which I know is a scotch, not a whiskey, but bear with me. That's kind of what it tasted like. And the 116-octane race field I used to run in the drags. <laughs> it was somewhere in between there. It started off really, really smooth, and then owie, owie, ow, 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 ow. So uh, I, I can... I'm grabbing that sound clip. That might be our first, like, ringtone or something. Yeah, hey, why not? It only took a whole season, but we finally got something. Uh, and... I mean, it was good. We drank. I had, well, I tell you, we drank the whole bottle. We did, but it was over the course of several days because we didn't need a whole lot of this. And, you know, they tell you that they don't change the recipe that often. Lord knows. They tell you uh, it won't ferment in the bottle anymore. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. All I know is that was the best goddamn bottle of Seagram 7 I ever had in my life. Man, I can't, I can't say I've ever had old... Uh, Seagram 7. I've had a 7 and 7 before, and it's not my favorite cocktail, but I, I ain't going to knock it out. It's a good wedding cocktail. It is. Well, uh, you know, we segued a little bit into uh, 
my college days anyway. So I think that's going to bring us to the topic at hand. Yes. So you're probably wondering at some point, how in the hell did these two end up getting together? <laughs> and it's a fair question. It is. And it's, it's one that when we were discussing this episode, we didn't really remember at first. I mean, we knew the broad strokes. Oh, of course. But the details were a little fuzzy. And I mean, I've had a lot of concussions in my day, so I'm sure I have CTE. <laughs> so everything's a little fuzzy. And it goes back to uh, a topic we talked about earlier in the, the season. It goes back to video gaming. Not retro video gaming, although we do share a love for that, as you all are now well aware. We do. Uh, but it was on the current platforms, the soon-to-be-now-old platforms. It's, what, two days after we're recording this? The PlayStation 5 is going to come out? Oh, yeah. I, I, like, casually looked to see what it would take to pre-order one, and I'm like, I think I'm just going to wait till the spring. Yeah, no, I, uh, I looked again today because the wife has been hinting around that if I want one, I could go and buy one, and it's just, it, it's way too much work. So I took some of the money and bought those heads. Nice. <laughs> it's just like, God, I can use these now. Uh, just forget it. I think solidly come springtime, the, the, the team will be transitioning over to PS5, and it'll be time. Yeah, I could see by St. Patrick's Day, we're yeah. probably going to be well on our way. And uh, that is that another great segue. He mentioned the team, and we are a team. We're a mighty team. We are. DJ and I are two of, but what? Well, it varies. You know, it, it fluctuates between, what, seven and nine? Yeah, depend, somewhere Depending there. on the month. Yeah. And uh, we have called ourselves Team Leroy, most Team appropriately. Leroy. Based on a video game meme that, depending on how old or young you are, you may have never heard of. But if you haven't, go look up Leroy Jenkins. Wait, there are people that don't know Leroy Jenkins? I have met some young gamers who said who and i well, felt no, okay, really okay, that, old well that's fair but if they're that young they shouldn't be listening to an alcohol podcast <laughs> there is that we don't condone underage drinking i mean wink wink to wink. be fair mark we are 12 <laughs> years past the age of consumption i really thought you were going to say age of consent no. and i was going to pop really hard no <laughs> get out No, we are we are twelve years past. I'm soon to be. I'll be thir- thirteen years past this week. This week's my birthday week. I. As we that's ridiculous. Well, no. So we are Team Leroy after the Team Leroy Jenkins meme, because our hubris will indeed be our downfall. Oh yeah, it's true. It's how and we not play just every- in gaming. <laughs> no, 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 no. In real life too. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, we sort of banded together over a love of games, but more specifically, it started, it, it since blossomed from there, but it actually started around a, a rather interesting genre of co-op shooting games, first-person shooting games, but co-op games. And so I think the first one that uh, DJ and I hooked up with was Overwatch, was it not? It was, yeah. And it's kind of uh, an interesting, like, segue into talking about our group of friends, right? Because uh, I don't know if, Mark, you've had this experience, but a lot of the online gaming experiences that I had growing up were competitive. All of the, I mean, 
all the way back to, you know, Super Mario World 2 player where it was like, haha, you died, I'm going to get further than you. And, you know, leading into, like, GoldenEye years and, and finally, oh like, getting God. into, um, uh, you know, I think Left for Left for Dead and maybe Borderlands were the first two games that I ever played co-op. But a lot of, like, you know, Call of Duty and online shooters and things like that. And then uh, I can't think of many games that we play that aren't cooperative. There's very, very few. And even when we do, it's usually versus, like one versus many. Like there's still a co-op element to it. Yeah. And I mean, e- even like some of the, like a lot of them involve, like we were very big into the Friday the 13th game. May that rest yep. in peace. They should serve us down this, this week. Very sad. Uh, poor one um, out. Which was what? Six versus one, I believe. Yeah. Um, but even then it, we would all be in the same group. We would take turns hunting each other so long as Lou didn't get to do it because, god damn, he's good at that. Why is he so good? That goes back to Evolve, which, okay, you want to talk about younger gamers. Younger gamers might not believe this, but Evolve was at one point a good game. (laughs) I'm going to get on my soapbox here. I'm going to die on this hill. And it was 4v1. Uh, You played Hunters versus a monster, and it invoked all the great 80s action movie tropes on the Hunter side, and it involved all the great uh, Japanese monster movie tropes on the, uh, you know, monster side. And Lou was just untouchable as the monster. Yeah, I, I've only heard tales. This was, this was before DJ times, but... <laughs> he would, you know, we would play in a party chat, uh, although it had a very interesting um, communication, you know, model in-game where you can only travel so far. But to try to make it harder on ourselves, we would play in party chat. And Lou, for the most part, would have his mic muted, only to pop up at different points with just, hello, (laughs) as he slowly slaughters each and every one of us. Uh, And I think, actually, if if we had let anyone else be the monster more, we would have played that game more. But none of us really wanted to play the monster, and Lou did, but he was too good at it, so we all kind of got burned out of getting killed. Yeah, that's fair. But there was Evolve, there was Friday the 13th, as I mentioned, there was Overwatch, which is a very fun, uh, in very small doses, 6v6 shooter, although the uh, the PvE, the four versus everyone, I enjoy great. Overwatch 2, very soon. Oh Can't my wait. god. It's like, uh, honestly, it's the primary reason I want a PS5 at this point. There is the highly underrated $20 game, Killing Floor 2. If you haven't, if you don't own Killing Floor Two and you own a current gen system, just just go buy it. It's twenty dollars. You won't regret it. Go buy yeah, it. Yeah, for a twenty dollar game, like you don't have to spend any money on this game, and they update it. Like there are events. Yes, all year. constantly. Yeah. Um, but we course, also, like, I mean, oh, we have to talk about like what seems to be the thematic game, right? Payday 2. No, no, we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, going, we're going through the list. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know if you were involved in this. I don't think you were, but we played Seven Days to Die quite a bit. Uh, I was in party chat and hearing you all <laughs> scream at each other. <laughs> okay, much like I was in party chat and hearing you guys all scream at each other when you played Ark. <laughs> Zero out of ten, there's a poop button. Um, I believe we all played The Forest. Ah, oh, The Forest. That Another $20 getting, game that's yeah, fantastic. That thing's getting a sequel. 
It is. Uh, you can make people soup in this game, just to, and it's exactly what you think it is. Just trust me on this. Uh, we played that for a while. We played... Uh, it was Conan for a Conan, while. Yeah, Conan for a while, which was okay. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of that, but it was fun with, with you people. <laughs> uh, so you get the idea. And then as DJ alluded to, the one that coalesced... Because, of course, the first game, how this all started was Lou and I began playing years and years and years ago. The original release, which uh, belongs in a museum now, but the original release of Grand Theft Auto V. Oh, my God. I... Woof. We were playing the online mode. And when I was saying we were playing the online mode, if you look at GTA Online now, it's insane, both in size and scale and in just the things you could do. There's flying cars now. There's thermonuclear orbital strikes. There's... Uh, People that play the game. <laughs> There's um, people. <laughs> it wasn't this way when the game first launched because we had hope of, you know, single player DLC and a whole new story and all this other bullshit that Rockstar rammed down our throats. And the online was actually tacked on as an afterthought. Yes. And so the servers were dead. They were completely dead. And pretty much the only thing you could do were races. And then drive around free roam and rob quickie marts. <laughs> My right hand to God, this was all you could do. And they kept saying, heists are coming. Heists are coming. Oh, you're going to have these big heists. Heists are coming. It's going to be just like single player mode. And months and months and months and months went on. So it was myself and Lou, who was my roommate, who's, you know, probably the enforcer of Team Leroy and the mascot with his giant carnival head. Yes. Biggest goddamn head you've ever seen. <laughs> anyway. So uh, we were playing with our friend Greg April, who also went to college with us up at Endicott. And I wasn't, sh I I'm not sure about this. I, I, I may be wrong. I think I am wrong. But I believe AJ popped in about the end when we were starting to tail off of GTA. And I knew AJ in college. Well, that, that's not true. I knew of AJ in college. <laughs> I had met AJ a few times. Lou and AJ hung out in college. I had met him a few times. I knew he was a person. I knew he existed. That was about as far as it went. Uh, so, you know, Lou was like, oh, AJ, you know AJ from Endicott. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> I've heard of that. <laughs> yes, I, I'm. he's a person. I'm aware of this. And so we play a little bit more GTA. And then Lou says, hey, there's this game that's out for the PS3. I think it's everything we want in GTA Online, but we can't get. You can actually do heists. And I said, oh, all right, cool. What is it? He says, it's called Payday 2. <laughs> I said, what? He goes, yeah, it's called Payday 2. Blah, blah, blah. So I had to go to Target to find this game. <laughs> and they had it locked behind the counter like in one of the you know, old glass cases like Walmart and Target still have. And the 16-year-old kid behind the counter gave me the weirdest look, like, why are you buying this fucking game? They had a whole stack of them. Every other game was sold out. They had a whole stack of these games. And this is something you might not know, DJ, but believe it or not, for as crazy about this game as I am today, and I am, it's my all-time favorite video game, bar none, I hated it <laughs> when we brought it home. I've heard, I've heard the dreaded tales of the before times when Payday 2 was bad. 
Oh, it never, it's never been good. <laughs> Even now, it's not good. But it was just, it was unplayable. It was completely unplayable. Um, for you, dear listeners at home who don't know what I'm talking about, it is literally a PlayStation 2 game running off of a racing game engine that they have turned into a PS4 first-person shooting game. Mm-hmm. That is literally what it is. I'm not making that up. And uh, so I was like, this fucking sucks. I'm going back to GTA. And they convinced me to come back, and there was a few updates, and there was some DLC. And it, Okay. So it was me, Lou, and AJ. Greg April didn't make the switch. <laughs> and then AJ says, hey, I got my buddy Iggy. He'd be into this jam. So that was when we had the bear. The big, lovable, friendly bear that we all know. The bear we know and love. And this went on for, God, six months, eight months. And then the PS4 came out. It was very deja vu. Yeah. Lou got one pretty much day one and started playing Destiny. The first Destiny. Oh, Destiny. I made the switch right around Lou's wedding. Actually buying the Destiny Edition PlayStation. I actually have a Destiny PlayStation. And we went to Lou's wedding, and that was when I met Iggy for the first time and was reintroduced to AJ and was like, oh, yeah, I do know you, actually. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I brought the masks, the payday masks, the four clown masks of the four main characters. And we all imbibed way too much, and we all ran around the reception wearing these masks, pretending to be bank robbers. Yep. And then the bride gave me a tap on the shoulder and said, give me the masks. <laughs> and, if you, and if you know anything about Nicole, you understand that I, I wet myself in that moment because <laughs> I was going to die. You just politely say, yes, ma'am, and do well, what she I, says. I just slowly took it off my head and handed it to her, looking afraid. And they gathered up all four, and then her and her bridesmaids took turns <laughs> wearing said masks. So it all was, it was all good there. So then we played Destiny for a while, and that was when Evolve came in. That was when, uh, oh, shit, there was another game we played for a little while. It was in there that I don't... Dying Light! That was the other one. Oh, Dying yeah, you Light. guys are obsessed with Dying Light. Another fantastic game. The DLC will not go down. I refuse to buy it because it's just so bloody fuck expensive. And the game's like eight years old. Yeah. Um, but fantastic game. And then we switched to Overwatch. And now you can jump in at this point because I don't remember the details of how you came in. Did did? Because oh, yeah, by this point this. we had Dave. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Holly and I had been married for a while at this point, and Holly and Emily went to high school together, and Emily started dating AJ, and so. We were like, you know, Holly's like, oh, Emily's got this new boyfriend. And I was like, oh, that's cool. We should, like, have them over and do a thing. And we, like, we watched, like, I think, I think we may have watched all three Lord of the Rings movies in one day. Well, I mean, that's, like, physically impossible. There's only 24 hours in a day, but go <laughs> on. Um, but, like, they came over and uh, it... It began a recurrence of what happens every time we hang out with Emily and AJ in that we go over to hang out for a couple hours and then we leave 10 hours later and it's two in the morning and we're like, oh, we, we should actually drive home before we die. 
Um, so Tuesday shit. Yeah, Tuesday shit. Um, and so, like, AJ and I hit it off. Uh, AJ and I are entirely too much alike in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I want to argue that, but no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so AJ and I bonded over uh, just Samwise Gamgee being the hero of the whole story. And then after a, uh, you know, a little bit, I, I picked up a PS4. I was playing different games. I was like, oh, yeah. And, and I was talking to AJ, and he's like, hey, you know, uh, I've got, like, this group of friends I play games with. Do you want to, like, come hang out? We all just picked up Overwatch. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that seems cool. I've heard of Overwatch. And I jumped in, and I picked up D.Va, and never looked back. <laughs> That's pretty apt. And, and, and I should I should say, you know, just before DJ had come in, we did pick up Dave. I didn't forget you, Dave. I love you. Um, and that was a Lou pickup. He said, hey, you know, my my uh, our friend Rusty, who I knew and AJ knows and everything from, again, from Endicott and Salem, Massachusetts and everything, his wife, Gabe, has this friend named Dave, and he's really into, you know, video games and board games. and Anime. Well, and anime. And, you know, we're <laughs> going to bring him in and... So he came in one night and it's like, oh, you know, what do you guys play? And we're like, well, we play Payday and Destiny. Yeah, okay. Because, I mean, if you know Dave, like, he doesn't really need much of an excuse to buy a new game. No, he does not. <laughs> like, he he you, plays <laughs> twice as many games as the rest of us, it seems. Yes. Like, it, Dave is Google. If you look at a game on your history, chances are he buys it. Yeah. Um, so th- we had Dave at that point, And then DJ comes in. And... Uh, Around that time, Bernie was was uh, hanging out with us, who who I knew from high school, and Lou knew through me, and he was playing with us. And then Bernie brought in Ryan, <laughs> who is an interesting character. Yeah, I, I, I love Ryan, but he's an interesting fellow, and he comes and goes. Yeah, and so that was sort of the you know the core seven, the core eight, and we bonded around payday mostly. AJ being AJ created a few logos for us. <laughs> yes, uh, he did. One of which was, you know, sort of a uh, little star with, you know, a sword and an axe and a video game controller and a, a drink. And then there was one that was more of a coat of arms surrounded by the payday masks of the various characters that we all mained. And it was fun. You know, it was a fun little uh, gimmick back and forth. He sent me the vector file, uh, and I was able to upload it to Gran Turismo Sport and, you know, put it on my cars and everything. And it was a fun little thing. It was. Well, AJ being AJ, uh, being that he is just, you know, far too nice. AJ is the butler. <laughs> he is literally the butler. He organizes every year a secret Santa between all of us. Yeah. And so, you know, we decided that we were going to treat him a little bit. So he likes Moira. Uh, DJ found him this awesome hoodie, uh, which, you know, God only knows, you know, skinny bastards that y'all are. I couldn't even get my arm in it. <laughs> but a really cool, really cool boy a hoodie. And then we designed, uh, based off the logo that he made, a jersey for the team. Yeah. And then we all just said, you know, fuck the Secret Santa and just bought jerseys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we, bought, we, we put it into the pool. Mark ordered the jerseys. We got it with one of the logos that AJ had had drummed up for us. We each picked a number and a name for the back. Most of us picked our our, uh, D&D characters or our gamer tags. 
And uh, yeah, it, it was awesome. Uh, which, I mean, comes to one of the more important things, right? Like, we started with video games, but this kind yes. of this group of friends kind of spiraled out, right? Like, we we play Dungeons and Dragons together. We, you know, when it's not a pandemic, we get together at least once a year and hang out in person. We go yeah. to gaming conventions together. We play board games together. We, Mark and and Bernie and, and Ryan are, are a little bit more remote, but we've kind of got, you know, the local bros where we go to see the some movies together. Yeah, I mean, to put it into perspective, for a long time, uh, our PlayStation party chats, man, supply lines were getting longer and harder to maintain. <laughs> we had two people in Massachusetts at one point, two people in New Hampshire at one point. Ryan and I were in Pennsylvania, but as you probably know from all the round-the-clock election coverage, Pennsylvania's a big fucking state. Yeah. And Ryan and I, we're not super far away, but he's not down the block. He's over an hour from my house. And then Bernie is pretty much at the southernmost tip of New Jersey. So a good portion of the mid-Atlantic eastern seaboard. Yeah, and, and Iggy was, you know, in Mass and then in New Hampshire, and then I think he was back in Mass for a little while. And We haven't got anybody in Connecticut or Vermont yet, but we're working on that. Yeah, no representation on the rest of New England. Send your resumes, too. No. <laughs> so, you know, we, we have that. And as DJ said, you know, we, we're into board games. We share a lot of the same loves of television shows. Yeah. We enjoy our libations. Uh, Dave and Iggy are more rum connoisseurs. I go to them when I want to know of the sugarcane liquor. Uh, DJ and I, of course, own more brown liquor, as is Lou. Although yeah. Lou can drink pretty much anything, but Lou knows his whiskey. Yeah, Lou's a generalist when it comes to imbibing. Yes. So, you know, we, we, we all sort of share a lot of different tastes and i think at least on my end i think my parents get a real kick out of all of us when we're together I, <laughs> when you would you boys come in for the weekend you have to go over there like it's it's non-negotiable <laughs> like i'm all like no ma we're gonna do x and we're gonna do y and she's like but no we're gonna have dinner yep and i'm like but 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 all right <laughs> <laughs> You know, and it's just, that's just the way it is. And, uh, yeah. And, and so like the history of Mark and DJ is, is largely the history of team Leroy. And I feel like, I mean, Mark, you and I have been great friends for four years now. Um, but it, it, we were great friends in a larger group of friends until we started playing D and D together. Yes. And we found a really interesting rapport between our characters and it, it, it i mean when you play D with a good group of friends your your friendship is going to leach into the game and you know echoes of that friendship is are going to you know weave in and out of your 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 characters a lot and you know it, iggy's character and bernie's character and dave's characters were, were amazing and and we we all had really great bonds with them but mark and i ended up having this really interesting, like our characters were diametrically different. And oh it really, God. I mean, it really shadowed our, our real world friendship, right? Like, yeah. uh, you know, Mark and I have very different backgrounds. We have, uh, you know, aside from the media that we consume and the, the, the games that we play, we have very different outside interests. Um, and, 
we've it's always been a lot of fun to get together in person at, at conventions and stuff and hang out uh, play board games together and Mark and I hit it off very quickly early on but it took it to a next level when we were playing rabbit and lefty yeah um, you know it was interesting in that uh, slight precursor uh, but me being me uh, I I find humor in everything. At least I try to. It's just, it's my coping mechanism. And so I make all kinds of jokes about all kinds of things on varying levels of appropriateness <laughs> on a given day or a given week. There's a reason why we may do a podcast. We may someday do a YouTube channel. We'll never be doing Twitch. <laughs> no, no. Live, live mics and me don't get along. I mean, I got an FCC, a written, a, a formal written FCC warning uh, during my college radio days, which is a whole other story we can talk about later. <laughs> uh, but uh, my first real introduction to DJ was while playing Overwatch. We ran with the idea that one of us, who I won't say who, was insanely racist against one group, who I won't say what. <laughs> Which is awful, and you should never do that, and I freely admit that now. Yeah. Uh, but I decided to see, let's test the new kid and see what he does. And his reaction was a mix of, okay, I might believe them, but there seems like there's some cool people here, <laughs> so we're going to roll with it and see what happens. And, you know, he didn't freak out and then... You know, I think about two or three weeks in, he figured out pretty quickly that we were, f we were fucking with him. So I was like, okay, you know, DJ's fine. <laughs> and, uh, but as he said, our characters were, uh, at least in the beginning, in the earlier uh, forms of uh, Left Holdus, uh, Left Holdus the Great, my, my D&D character, uh, before he went through some really serious character development, uh, he was me with an English accent and an eye patch. <laughs> And, you know, DJ uh, had a lot of rabbit in him and vice versa. And, but we kind of hit it off in this interesting, like, okay, well, you could teach me a lot of shit and I could teach you a lot of shit. <laughs> and together, we're pretty badass. Yeah, there, there were actual battles where rabbit waded into battle riding on lefty shoulders. This happened. Yeah. And now, I should specify that Lefty is a fairly average-sized human, but Rabbit was a gnome. Yes, Ra Rabbit is a 60-pound, soaking wet, three-foot-tall gnome that wields pistols and a wooden spoon. Whereas Lefty was your... It, it, he literally was a knight of the crusade. I, I based him off of the real Letholdus the first of uh, the first crusade in the 1400s. He was my archetype, and then I just made him me. So that, that'll give you a little visual. And as this was going on, and as we were doing some role play, because I think it's safe to say that pretty much our entire D&D &D group, we enjoy the role play more than the combat. Oh, 100%. I mean, we will go multiple sessions without any combat and yeah. still have a ton of fun. I mean, we don't, we don't hate combat or, or anything like that, but the, the role play for us is where it's at. And so, you know, in role playing and in doing this, we, you know, sort of realized, hey, there's something here. And I think it was DJ at first that had broached the subject of we should do a podcast. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, we should do a podcast, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I was thinking more about it, and I do my best thinking in the shower. 
It's I'm TMI, glad you, I know. I'm glad you but think about is. me in the shower, buddy. Damn straight I do. Not as much <laughs> as I think about Lou, but you're getting there. <laughs> and, but no, so I was thinking about it the one day, and I said, well, wait a minute. You know, it's a lot like in real life. DJ knows a lot of shit that I don't know. I know a decent amount of shit that he may or may not know. We both love whiskey. We both love to talk, as you all have learned very quickly. There could be something to this. 100%. And we sat down and said, all right, let's do an episode and see what happens. And here we are. Yeah, this has been really fun. This has been most enjoyable. I admit I went into it like I go into most things with an air of skepticism. And I, uh, I went into this with, like I go into most things with an air of insufferable optimism. It's true. He is an insufferable optimist. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to talk about Christmas, Mark. You, you know, you could make the meme with the two of us. You really could. You could put a glass of whiskey on the table, half full, and DJ would go, oh, boy, two fingers of whiskey. And I would look at it and go, sweet, merciful Christ, who drank all the whiskey? <laughs> and then Lou would walk by and take the glass and drink it as yeah. we were arguing. I mean, I think that wraps us up this week, which is, I mean, it's it's a little bittersweet, right? Like, you know, we've been recording for 15 straight weeks, and it was like it a is, month of prep before that. It is a little bittersweet, but, you know, I, I have an analogy for this because I'm drinking out of my glass from Fort Ligonier. You know, all of us historians party together. And uh, Fort Ligonier is a fantastic French and Indian war fort, preserved French and Indian war fort out by Pittsburgh. If you're in the Ohio River Valley anywhere, make the drive. Go see Fort Ligonier. Like, I don't work for them. They're not paying me to say that. It's just it's fantastic, and you learn so much. But all of us historians hang out together, and I received a, a glass and decanter set from them a few years ago for some project that we had done together. And it is engraved with a quote from the quartermaster of Fort Ligonier, quartermaster John St. Clair. And uh, Quartermaster St. Clair kept a diary during the siege. The British were horrifically sieged at Fort Ligonier. And on August 12th, 1758, Quartermaster St. Clair looked at the commanding officer of Fort Ligonier, who was a Colonel Henry Boguet. And he said to Colonel Boguet that uh, this is the most diabolical work, and we whiskey must be at hand. <laughs> and, and then he went and distributed shots of whiskey uh, to everyone. So, you know, this is bittersweet. This is some of the most diabolical work, you know, as we end the thing. But we have whiskey at hand, so it's bearable. It is. Uh, I have really enjoyed this. We've got a website. We've, we're on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. You can find us at the Wit and Whiskey Cast basically everywhere. Uh, the Wit and Whiskey Cast.com, at the Wit and Whiskey Cast on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, if you are curious about season two and, and feel the need to recommend something for us, you know, keep, keep us supplied with topics and, and whiskey recommendations, uh, you can hit us up at the Wit and Whiskey Cast uh, gmail.com. And uh, of course, we want to thank everybody who subscribes. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe to us on uh, anywhere that we are at. I know we got some stuff on Podbean. Uh, we're looking at some stuff for season two. But I don't 
want you guys to just disappear on us. So no. uh, keep your eye on the feed. If you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, uh, we're going to have some treats dropping into the feed. Uh, same same bat time, same bat channel uh, up until our release of season two. Uh, we're going to throw together something pretty special for everybody right around Christmas. So uh, as you're uh, sipping on some, some eggnog and, and unwrapping presents, we'll have a nice episode for you all to listen to. What do we want to talk about for season two? Oh, I have a great, great many things. You know, we we need to do our, our multi-parter on Pokemon. We've teased the people enough. We need to do our multi-parter on Ancient Rome. We've we teased the people enough. Um, we need to bring in some guests. You know, uh, I won't go into specifics because that'll, that'll give away who we're thinking of. But I, I know at least three people I think that would be very interested incoming on the show and, and they'll be the experts you know you, you can hear right from the the horses patootie on different things um but i do you know can i can i give them one taste of what we might have one one little surprise you know can i can i break one surprise i guess so you've earned it between now and christmas i can say with a fair amount of confidence because these negotiations were ongoing right up until airtime today that I think you're going to hear from the Wit and Whiskey Wives. Ooh. I think that's probably going to be a thing. Uh, it's not going to be long, and <laughs> you know, because I don't want to get divorced. But <laughs> I, I think I could say with a fair amount of confidence that they are going to pop up between now and Christmas morning. I, th- I think I could probably make that happen, too. I don't think you'll have to twist her arm nearly as much as I'll have to twist mine. <laughs> uh, but hey, we didn't do our lightning round, but I have one quick question for you. Go ahead. And it'll be a true lightning round because you don't even know what this is. Who is worse, me at Overwatch or you at Killing Floor? Oh. Ah. Uh, it's hard. I think it's me at Killing Floor. I die way more. You you at least make a pretty decent Zenyatta these days. <laughs> yeah, but he's the only character I can play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but yeah, before that's... we go, one last time for season one, we want to thank Nuno Henry Silva for our intro and outro Damn music. Damn right we do. He was one of the first people that got on board with this, and when everybody else was kind of giving us the side eye, Nuno went, no, I think there's something here. I want in. Yeah. So big ups to Nuno. Yeah, we love you, buddy. And uh, we'll see what we can do to get him on here to, to kind of give his pitch on uh, what we've done with this crazy podcast. Yeah, and, you know, he can talk a little music, talk, uh, can talk composing. Um, you know, I mean, I dabble with the bass, you dabble with the guitar. Neither one of us is anywhere near a musician. And we'll be the first one to tell you that. Yeah. Um, so they, you know, hear it from somebody who actually knows what the fuck they're talking about will be a wonderful concept. Exactly. But... Uh, Keep your eyes on the, on the feed, everybody. Uh, we'll have some fun stuff. Uh, we're going to drop our first little fun thing on, I think, a couple of weeks. Yeah, it'll probably be right around Thanksgiving. It'll give you something to stave off the tryptophan nap. Yes, exactly. But until then, one Salute. last time, and cheers. Cheers.